Boom blast. This is week nine. Wow, how are we at week nine already? Oh, I'll name this football pod later. I guess it's getting kind of late in the later, right? But anyways, we're here on the On Blast Podcast Network, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. Tell your friends! My name is Sheldon Alexander, and as always, I'm joined by sports betting professional and the host of the Window Sports Betting Podcast, Mr. Matt Russell. Rusty, how you doing? Man, I'm fantastic. Now let's, you know, you're feeling good. What was the record last week? Bring it. Tell us it, you know, let's get started with it. Okay, okay, so last week, and here's the thing, I'm, I wanna emphasize this before I get to the record. If you listen to the pod week after week, I've been talking about feels for a long time, and we're I kept hovering around that 500 mark week after week after week, but saying, it's weird because I feel good about everything. And then last week, a nine and five week, I'll yes. take a nine and five week for sure. But again, the feel of it all makes me feel even better because the losses were like, okay, I messed up here on the Colts and Vikings and, you know, Dalvin Cook coming off the bye week and all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't put enough into them coming off the bye week, right? Titans lose to the Bengals. I mean, all right, cool. Could have seen that coming. Joey covers as Webster's always always uh, getting mad at me for not taking uh, Joey covers here, and Lamar Jackson just doing the absolute most to lose to Pittsburgh. So when you add up all those things, it's like okay. And then obviously you get some of the wackiness to bounce your way because there's gonna be three or four just like okay, what the hell was that type results? You hope those you get those to bounce your way, and hey. You take the nine and five week. I'm all right. I don't know what to make of going into this week. So <laughs> I don't know how long Listen. I'm going to be feeling all right. But you take the wins <laughs> when you can get them. Yeah, man, you'll take nine and five every week. Let's sign up every for that week. going forward every single time. So yeah, you got to be feeling pretty good. Nine and five, honestly, like if you come and you sort of show up to my podcast or this podcast and you're expecting better than nine and five, like you just, you know, need to reevaluate your expectations with regards to both the NFL and sports betting in general. So nine and five every single week would be outstanding. Of course, we got to keep that momentum going, man. Back half of the season, like you said, how are we at week number nine already, man? Like in a year (laughs) that takes forever, every day feels like five leave it to the NFL season to have us just absolutely flying through this thing or so it feels like. You know, it's funny too, as, as you said that, you know, taking the nine and five week, it's funny because I feel like most people, when they look at football gambling, they're not as locked in on it as you are as like, I'm trying to be. And so they keep thinking of it as, Oh, I have my pro line ticket and I was only, I got five out of six. Right. So I'm good. Right. Right. It's like, no, that's bad. You just lost money. Right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. if you found You're fundamentally avenue, doing it wrong at that point. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Take like, that five and one and bet it single game. And if you're cranking up five and ones every week, you're absolutely killing it instead of giving money to the OLG. Exactly. 
right? But here, we're, we're trying to help people out. We're trying to help people make money. And as yeah. always, if in case you're unfamiliar yet, it's been nine weeks. This is the ninth week of this podcast. But in case you're unfamiliar and this is your first time, basically, I come on this pod each and every week. I throw out kind of what I'm thinking. It mostly plays into what the Joe public, you know, perception is of each game, where I'm kind of leaning. And then Mr. Russell comes in with the numbers, the analytics, hits you with some cold, hard facts, poking holes in those Joe public theories. And then I come out on the other end with a clear mind in terms of picking these games every week. And if you're looking for the full picks, you can find those on the on blast network website, which is on blastpodcast.wordpress.com. You will find those picks, my picks every Saturday at around sometime on Saturday. I don't know, but there you find the full picks. And again, Making the full picks is just a fun bit that we get to laugh about each and every week because it is a ridiculous thing to do, right? <laughs> and yeah. We saw that last week, but that's what makes this fun. I've had so much fun doing this with you, Mr. Russell, and knowing that you come on here, you bless us with your time, but then where can the people go to find like your like, legit big time picks each and every week? This is what you're rocking with. This is where you're putting your money down. Yeah, the daily podcast is the window sports podcast. You can, you know, literally just type in the window sports should pop right up. Here's what it looks like for everybody out there in YouTube land. Um, And, you know, we do that on a daily basis. Sunday, the special just for the NFL season is sort of where the official plays come. You forced yourself into doing every single game. I wouldn't be able to do it. I would end up 500 at the end of the year, right? At sort of, maybe not at best, but sort of, I would expect to be 500 at the end of the year. So, you know, through my lens, it's all right, let's pick the best games here. Not every game is fully worth betting, right? Is fully worth something uh, that we should put our money on from a point spread standpoint, right? Sometimes it's just try a shot on the money line. Sometimes it's throw it in a tease. Sometimes it's play the total, right? You've you know, wrangled yourself into this. I have to play the spread every time. So over at the window, it's, I'll tell you what I think about every single game, much like you and I do here, right? Like that's the big Friday episode, Mm -hmm. but on Sunday, it's sort of brass tacks. Here are the best bets. Sometimes there's five. There's always going to be five because we have to put in five plays for the circa million contest in Las Vegas, but there could be more than that, right? Two weeks ago, there was nine, you know, two weeks before that there was six, like it could be any different number because we're not beholden to, you know, a specific number of picks. We don't have to pick every game. Frankly, I would recommend not picking every game, (laughs) which is why this is so fun because you're like, at the end of the day here, you're like, I don't know, Jets plus 20, like fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's unfortunately oh, like it great. counts one way or another. Like it counts the same way that the stuff that you feel really strongly about. Yeah. So the differentiation between what we do here where we're, you know, Thursday, we're just kind of throwing stuff out there, seeing what sticks. By Sunday, we know what we're betting on. And at 11.30, I get that podcast out. So you have that, you know, forget Terry Bradshaw, forget Phil Sims, right? Two of the worst minds when it comes to football. Congrats on the Super Bowl, but two yeah. of the absolute worst minds when it comes to football in 2020, especially mm-hmm. if you're looking to bet, right? Because those guys have no stake in the game. So ignore yeah. those prognostications and come yeah. on over to the window and we'll win or lose together. And at this point, we're 23-16-1 in the contest here. So we're doing pretty well. 
you know, Let's up go. and around 60%, that it would be completely fine. When it comes to the contest, we're going to try to kick it up a notch here, try to get in the, in the mix. Need to be about 65% to be in contention for the last few weeks. So again, we have full half season left to go here. Again, like you, I think we're seeing the ball well here. And uh, I, think, I think we got a good shot to, to really turn it up a notch here in the back half of the season. Yeah, this is going to be super interesting just because, I mean, this week, I, I, I don't know what to what my feel is like coming in. Maybe there's been a lot going on in North America, especially the our neighbors to the south here. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what that could be. But either way, we start off here Thursday night football, and we've had a pretty good run so far of discussing these Thursday night football games. But there's a lot of – interesting subplots i'll say i don't even know how to say. i mean if yeah. you're looking i'm a niners fan as we discuss sure. every week and make fun of me every yeah. single week but we talked from the start of the season about the niners having a regression this season right and it was injuries upon injuries upon injuries and even when guys come back there's more injuries so you're heading into this thursday night game already coming off of a loss there's no jimmy g there's no George Kittle. There's no Debo Samuel. Then you have a COVID outbreak, and it's just like, if you're <laughs> right, if you're Shanahan, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're probably just like, all right, I, I got, I got nothing. I'm, I'm tapping out on this season. But the Niners are hosting the Packers. As of now, I see the line at Packers minus seven, and yeah. It looks yeah, like and up to game. seven and a half now too, right? Like it, like yeah, you can get seven and a half. I think it probably goes even higher. But the reality is, if you're looking to bet the Packers at this point because of all this injury news, it's too late, right? Like yeah. it's this is you know when we're talking about sports betting, right? It's mm-hmm. it mirrors the stock market, right? Because everything has a value. The second that you put a price on something, it then has a value, and it's either over under overvalued, undervalued, or properly valued. And in this yeah. case. We all know this information, right? The yeah. sports books know this information, um, as do the public. So if you're going in, going like they're missing all these players, yeah, that's why last week the game was essentially a pick 'em, and then now it's seven and a half. So you know we can get into sort of which side you need to be betting on, but if you're looking to bet the Packers, it's too late. You can't do it at this point, right? I can make the case for San Francisco though, if you need me to. Here's the, here's the thing, right? So San Francisco, uh, my guy Brandon Ayuk also out of the lineup. He's on the COVID list. So the Niners just don't have many people like available. Any of their star offensive players available? We already know their defense was ravaged by injuries, but also the Packers are dealing with their own COVID cases as well, where they don't even know like who their starting running back is in this game. So there's a lot going on here, and the Niners. I mean, as it continues to climb as you mentioned, seven and a half, eight, you're getting into a situation where you almost just got to take the points. And I totally get that. So let's just kind of give me your quick take as to why I should just take the Niners. Yeah. And then why it's like the only reason, because to me in my mind, it's like, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers by a touchdown. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So before everybody just runs out and just starts dumping cash at the feet of the Green Bay Packers here, right? Like we always have to remember, like, what's the bar that we're setting here? So this isn't a situation where we just need the Packers to win. We need them to win and cover a pretty high number. And when you're looking at these injuries, right? Yeah, we've talked 
you know, because of uh, injuries and whatnot, we've talked about the difference between Jimmy G and Nick Mullins, right? Mm -hmm. And if that difference is involved in a game where the 49ers have to win by 10 points, like they were in that set, you know, game against the Eagles on Sunday Night Football a few weeks back, that's yeah. one thing. But if it's just keep the thing afloat and try to keep this close, it ceases to be that big of a deal when it comes to the difference between the two quarterbacks, right? And so for me, you know, just look at the games from, you know, last season. Now I realize literally the entire San Francisco team, both offensively <laughs> and defensively are not the same as they were last year. Believe me, I get that, but it's not like the Packers are completely healthy either. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the NFC championship game and let's play a little fun game here with my 49ers fan friend here, uh, how many passes in the NFC championship game did Jimmy Garoppolo attempt last year? I want to say it was like, it was single digits, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Okay. Eight. Eight <laughs> is the amount of passes that he threw in that nine. game. That's and the game amazing. was 37 to 20, right? They won the game earlier that season, 37 to eight. And so, sure, from an offensive standpoint, you know, scoring 37 points didn't have a ton to do with Jimmy G throwing, right? 14 of 20 in that first game. So even in that first game, not exactly throwing it around the yard, right? He had mm -hmm. 10 receptions to wide receivers in that game. And so the offense for the 49ers is not predicated against the Packers on doing it through the air. So it's funny that these injuries or these COVID outs are with the wide receivers with the 49ers, which is sort of the one position that if you just eliminate it entirely, the 49ers still might have a chance. On the flip side, the Packers have essentially, you know, all of their top three running backs out. And it's like, yeah. that's kind of the position that doesn't really affect the Packers, right? It's sort of a diametric opposite from an offensive standpoint. And so if the 49ers can still run the ball, which listen, if we spend all our time talking about how running backs are meaningless and never pay for a running back, then you can't really get all that worked up when one of the running backs, two of the running backs, or in this case, maybe three of the running backs are out. Yeah. And so I still think San Francisco can move the ball because this isn't a Packers team that's doing anything against, you know, on against a ground game. We saw that yeah. last week with the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, he didn't throw it eight times. He only threw it 14 times and his largest pass <laughs> completion was a screen pass to Dalvin Cook right yeah. like the 49ers can put up some points maybe it doesn't end up being 28 points maybe it's something in the high teens here but if they can just hang in there long enough that this game is you know close and they can pressure Rodgers a little bit given that he's going to have to be one-dimensional you know I I think you have to take the points if you were, you know, if you absolutely have to bet the game, I think you take the points here. I'll be betting San Francisco plus seven and a half or better. I think if we wait, right, everybody's going to come in and just yeah. keep pouring money at the feet of Green Bay. And listen, they may win. They may cover easily. Maybe it's a total write off the rest of the season for San Francisco. And maybe that starts today or yeah. in theory last Sunday. But like, it's just, you can't bet Green Bay here. And oftentimes when there's a side that you absolutely cannot bet, it usually means there's pretty good value on the other side. Yeah, and that's kind of the, the key to what we try to talk about here on the podcast, right, is which side do you want to – would you prefer to be on, right, at the end of the yeah. day? That's a big part. Sometimes the bet's not going to cover, but most often than not, you want to be on the right side of it, right, the right side sure. of where all the numbers are pointing. The other thing that I found super interesting about the Niners and their offense and how it's based off the complex running scheme that they have – Something I didn't even realize was when a Niners running back to dress and play in a game, you have this book and you have to study this playbook the whole weekend and pass a test 
before oh, wow. you're able to actually dress and participate in a game each and every week. So if you're ever watching the Niners and you're wondering, wait, how is their running game still on point with all these dudes bouncing in and out of the lineup every week? It points to exactly what we've been talking about, especially with this team. It's not so much about the guy. It's about the system. Obviously, Absolutely. there's a level between Mostert and, you know, who's go, who's in tonight? Probably my guy, Hasty. Hasty, yeah. Hasty Market. Is that my guy tonight? <laughs> right? Hasty like, Market. There's obviously a level between those dudes, but the point remains, it's a system. And Shanahan has these dudes, like, on manners. Imagine that. NFL, NFL running backs. You have to yeah. pass this test to prove that you sure. know the playbook, all the pass blocking schemes, and all that before you get to play. Incredible. But anyways, yeah, uh, basically, I'm with you there. As the number goes above, once it gets to seven and a half, once we're over a touchdown, take the points, take the points, take the points. I'm there with you. And also, for those of you a little more advanced, right, are you doing the online betting thing, right, and you occasionally get involved in some live betting, right? I think this is going to be a big live betting game, too, where you can see in that first quarter, right, does San Francisco have it from a defensive standpoint? In those two games that we talked about, Rodgers, QBR in the first one, 12.9 out of 100. Uh, Second game, 23.3 out of a hundred yeah. now with all the injuries and obviously the different personnel, is that going to make, you know, make a difference in that now all of a sudden he's got an 80 QBR 70 QBR in this game. That seems like a really, really big adjustment here relative to where it was at last year when we had two really significant games, right? These weren't like sleep through it type games. These yeah. are NFC championship and a Sunday night game where the 49ers, at least from a schematic standpoint have shown that they can slow down the Packers offense. Yeah, and, and, you know, they're missing the big boys up front, but the pass rush is still there. It's not the same that it was, obviously, without Bosa up there, but it's still something. Uh, mm-hmm. Biggest game of the week happens to be another primetime game, Sunday night football. Your man's Tom Brady, your man's Drew Brees, battle of, you know, the, the gold – the golden standard of NFL quarterbacks in today's game, right? Now, last week, you called the ugly Bucks performance on Monday night versus the Giants, and it was mm-hmm. ugly as they barely won. Forget about covering double-digit spreads. But were they – and, you know, you, you, you basically told us why this might happen as well because they were probably sure. saving a lot of things for the following week in this big-boy matchup with the Saints. The Saints won an OT in Chicago as they squeaked one out as well. Also did not look well. But I'm still st- here at this point where I look at the 5-2 and two Saints and I say, I have yet to be really impressed by the, this team. And so, again, I look at this game and say 5-2 and two Saints in Tampa Bay against the 6-2 and two Bucks. Bucks favored by five points. To me, that number seems low. I would be willing to take Tom Brady by a touchdown. That's just me. That's where I'm looking at this game. Tell me why I'm wrong, my dude. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. This one's like, this is a really sort of tricky game, obviously, right? And so when you say the five and two Saints, I'll stop you right there. And I'll tell you it's the two and five Saints 
going Ooh. into Tampa Bay. And you're saying, maybe you're listening to this, you're going, what's this guy talking about? They have a five and two record. No, no, no. 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 I know what they you're talking about. They have a two and five against the spread record this season. And that's all that matters in what we're really talking about here, right? Hey. And so we've been talking all, you know, a lot about how every week it seemed like the Saints were a little bit overvalued, like a point and a half, right? Last week we hit with the Bears because it was like, why are the Saints four-point favorites. This feels more like a three-point road favorite. And of course, they went, ended up actually winning exactly by three. So we cash our bet. Got a little hairy, obviously, but we came through in the end. And that's why you get as many points as you possibly can, by the way, right? Week before that, Carolina. Why is it seven and a half? Closes six and a half, and it's a field goal game. And that's been the case a lot this season. Now, this is kind of that first week where... See, I kind of thought the number was maybe not high, but I thought it was at least fair at five. And we're now seeing the number drop down to four because a lot of people out there are talking about the Saints as now as this sort of undervalued team. And I don't really follow (laughs) that logic. Sure, like Michael Thomas will be back and Emmanuel Sanders, but that's not really changing the fact that Drew Brees is dead last in air yards this year. And you're asking, what are air yards? Air yards is literally the amount of... (laughs) yards that you throw the ball in the air with actual attempts right he's attempted six passes this season over 20 yards six right that's less than one per game and so sure michael thomas is in the mix here and maybe that's a big deal you know maybe it's not really wasn't that big of a deal when Devonte adams was in for green bay two weeks ago right and yeah. so i've just been watching these saints games and i've watched them very closely and you just go why aren't they just you know, the defenses that they're playing, just covering Alvin Kamara in the, you know, and it's just like, just stop him. And then let's see what happens after that. And the bears finally kind of got around to doing that in the fourth quarter. And that's how they were able to stop the saints and kind of get back into that game. Now I look over at the bucks here and I look at my man, Todd Bowles, and I go, that guy is a guy with the plan, right? He had a plan against the Packers. He has a plan against a lot of these teams. Did he need a plan against the giants? No. Right. We talked about that last week. I remember you saying, like Daniel Jones backdoor potential and I like stopped you and I was like no I don't even think it gets to that I think it's just a really sort of sloppy close type of a game Mm -hmm. and so I completely expected that from the Bucks so I'm not going to downgrade the Bucks based on a performance that I completely expected from them right I do expect a more higher end effort out of the Bucks so yeah like I kind of like the Bucks in this just because we've been you know first of all we've been doing really well kind of pegging the Saints the defense hasn't shown up right we talked about that coming out of their bye week are we going to get a different version of the saints defense we haven't and weather could play an issue in this game uh if you'll recall way back in week one the under was a play that i really liked in week one it didn't end up hitting because we had the tom brady pick six we had a late touchdown things got squirrely at the end here but 51 and a half is way too high in a game where i think it's going to be from a you know tampa standpoint They can lock down the Saints. They're not going to give up those long protracted drives that the Saints have been getting this season. And on the flip side, you know, sure, the Saints defense has not been great, but, you know, this is such a familiar matchup for them that I think they can hold the Bucs to a relatively low score. This feels something in the 24 to 20, 24, 17, something along those lines. Right now I'm leaning Bucs just because it would be hard for me to bet the Saints and then sort of be like, watch and then sort of watch them lose by seven, 10 or something like that. And be like, 
why did I do that? I've been going against the Saints all season. Like, why would I keep, why wouldn't I keep going with that run? So for me, you know, I'm leaning to the Bucks, but it's not a significant play for me um, on Sunday night. No, I got you for sure, man. Uh, From two star QBs to another in Russell Wilson and then another QB in Josh Allen. (laughs) Also receiving votes, Josh Allen. (laughs) Now, Russell Wilson looked great last week. I mean, him and DK Metcalf, that looks like it's going to be a thing for a while. Uh, They look great in San Fran in a game that we were all over last week, just sniffing that out as I came in my emotional Niners fandom and you quickly were able to talk me out of it and and talk some sense into me in terms of, listen, (laughs) okay, what the Seahawks are on right now, the Niners aren't ready for that. And factual statement, we're also on the ball both in terms of the bills and the letdown potential of yes, they won the game, but I don't think that was a very positive win for the bills. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, you take the win, but when you're looking at how they played, like first off we're Cam Newton's getting slammed right for how bad Cam Newton played. Look at Cam Newton's line and look at Josh Allen's line from last week's game. And then tell me the perception of those two guys and and what we're really talking about here, mainstream media wise. So the point is, the point is here, six and two bills hosting the six and one Seahawks. Seahawks are minus three. I love taking the Seahawks here, but I could just be slamming on the bills a little too much and being too emotional about the bills and mad watching them and just thinking like, what is with this team right now? And this is kind of where I've lived with the Buffalo bills forever and ever. Right. As I think I got them pegged one way. (laughs) Yeah. They come back around and get you. So what do you, what are you thinking of the bills here in this situation? I think this is a come back around and get you game. I love the Bills in this one. I do. Uh, yeah, it, it, you're right. Uh, obviously, a big game last week. They got it done, right? Like, see, you know, not season saving necessarily, but sort of, you know, there's two different types of, you know, big games, right? There's the like big game because it's your rival and everybody's, you know, it's a huge matchup. And then there's another yeah. big game where it's like, you know what? We've been getting beat up by this team for two decades and this is our chance, right? This is what, you know, where we can have an opportunity to get the monkey off our back. And so I felt like last week's game, listen, we had the Patriots, we had the Patriots plus the three and a half plus four and a half, all of that. So we ended up cashing that ticket, but it's one of those where I think this is actually sort of a boon to the rest of their season, right? They have that weight off their shoulders and now it's like, okay, we've got a bit of a little bit of breathing room, right? We've already got a win over the dolphins in Miami. And that's sort of the thing that we're looking behind our shoulders uh, behind our backs at. And so for me with the bills here, I think you're going to see a high end performance. So what we talk about okay. with the bills every week, right. Is what's the, what's the weather, right? Cause we hate Josh Allen in yeah. the rain. And it was again, another rainy, windy type, just garbage day, mm-hmm. massive ground game type of a day. Right. And we knew if yeah. there was one way that the Patriots could move the football, it was on the ground. And lo and behold, Bill Belichick coming through with that run offense saying, Cam, we are done with the throwing. It's everybody in town just running straight at the bills. Well, what's, the thing that Seattle doesn't really do all that well beyond sort of play defense in general is run the ball. And so if this turns into throw it around shootout type of game, check the weather, right? For those of us here in Canada, 20 degrees Celsius expected in Buffalo sunshiny day. You never know what you're going to get. And listen, 
three days out, it could change entirely. But right now, it looks to be a really, really nice day. And strangely enough, I think that actually favors the Bills because we've seen Russell Wilson in the rain. My guy doesn't care at all about inclement weather, whereas Josh Allen turns into a bit of a mess. So I think you're going to get more offensively from Buffalo, you know, like that we saw back in September. And so when we're sort of talking shootout type thing, we now go, okay, well, what are we going to get out of Seattle? Well, we know the defense still not very good, right? They hang, they did okay for the first half against the 49ers. And then things got a little squirrely at the end. Once your boy, Nick Mullins got involved somehow. And then now we've got this spot too for Seattle, right? We always talk about the spot. And in this case, it's, Arizona on a Sunday night football game, right? Divisional matchup goes to overtime. San Francisco, literally their biggest rival, big win, you know, sort of able to cruise in home there with that win. And now it's like, we're now flying across country to go play Buffalo, not even a conference game, right? And it's sort of like, okay, like let's play that game, I suppose. And then we'll just get back to the regularly scheduled portion of the program, which will include, you know, two more games against the Rams, another game against the 49ers, another game against the Cardinals um, on a Thursday night in a few weeks. And so if you're the Seahawks and you were just going to drop a game here because you didn't really, you weren't really feeling it. I think this is that game, right? And for the Bills, again, from an offensive standpoint, you're now going to be like, oh man, we can move the ball here. Nice weather. We don't have the Patriots defense to deal with. We're not, I mean, sure you're terrified of of Russell Wilson, but you don't have the Chiefs running it down your throat in gale force winds. And it's just like, yeah, this is a little bit easier. Now it's never easy to face Russell Wilson, but this is a guy who has been saving Seattle all season long. And the strange thing about last week, beyond the point spread move, right? We, we, when we talked about it, it was Seattle minus three. And then all of a sudden the line just starts shooting down too close to a pick em. I'm sitting there Sunday going like, what is What's going happening? on yes. with this line? Like this doesn't make any sense. And then sure enough, yeah. it didn't make any sense. And we were clear and home the whole way. But you go into this one and sure, Seattle is going to get money, right? It's going to be up to three, maybe even three and a half, who knows? But at plus three here, I think the Bills are a very live dog to win the game. And again, this could just be a chaos, classic Seattle game where it's a one score game going either way. And I'm definitely into having three points in my back pocket if that ends up being the case. But I really like the Bills here, plus three against the Seahawks. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I, I think for me, as I look at that game, as it gets to over a field goal, I'd be more likely to be like, all right, Bills, cool. But I know what you're saying. If, if I, I know it's past the two and a half, meaning you have to win by more than a field goal already. But sure. just the, the my first initial look at it, right? It's like once it gets to over that, okay, three and a half, more into that Vegas zone, I can see me being on the side of the Bills. But as of now, I'm kind of like – uh, it's a tough bet, man. The, like the uncomfortable the ones, yeah, the uncomfortable ones are the ones that win the most often, right? And I think just from a season True. standpoint, you know, there's swales to the season. I think we've hit the Bills swale, right? Like the part that goes yeah. down. I don't know if that's the swale or the up part, but uh, we've <laughs> hit the sort of low point of the Bills season. I think this is sort of the start of a nice little run here potentially for the Bills. Okay. All right. All right. From the Buffalo Bills at five at six and two to a couple of five and two teams in the five and two Ravens go into Indy as two and a half point favorites to take on the Colts. And last week we mentioned, we touched on it early on the Ravens lost to the Steelers last week, but again, it was one of those games where the read of us being on the Ravens side was correct. Lamar Jackson, just, I don't even know 
it was weird, right? Because people are going to yeah. think, people are going to think, oh no, well you were just on the Ravens and they lost, so it's just sour grapes. And it's like, no, no, no. If you actually watch that game, the sure, Steelers yeah. did not do much at all, right? No. They didn't run the game. Big Ben didn't play that well. They're they're the Ravens defense was incredible. It was just Lamar Jackson out here throwing pick sixes, throwing, like losing the ball in the red Almost zone, enough. like doing the absolute most to lose the game where they could have easily covered that game by 10 points, if not two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we, we, we move past that. We look into this week and I don't know what happened, but Phil Rivers comes off the bye, the Colts. We talked about our guy, Darius Leonard, being back and how that makes the Colts look like a really different team here. But I got to be honest, I still like the Ravens getting – or sorry, I still like the Ravens by two and a half points. I like the Ravens here. And the the reason I like the Ravens is just because their defense is a problem. And if Lamar, you can just settle him a little, I think that's an easy win. And the, the defense of the Ravens is a problem for Phil Rivers, if you ask me. Yeah, I don't necessarily love this game, right? And you talk about the game last week where you go, if, if, if I had said to you, hey, I've got only this tiny bit of information from the future. And that <laughs> tiny bit of information is that the Ravens are going to have 420 yards on the Steelers this weekend. And the Steelers are going to have 210-ish yards this weekend. Are we still comfortable betting minus four? And it doesn't really matter who the, who's wearing the jerseys at that point. If yes. you know that information, you go, yeah, I'm completely fine with that. And you talk about the turnovers. And that game very easily should have been 20 to nothing. And it's not like we're talking about some you know, Jamoke off the street here. This is the MVP of the league. And I'm sort of calling like, you know, on Sunday for him to return the trophy because I'm like, this is not MVP behavior here. And that's sort of the sort of dichotomy that you get with Lamar Jackson, where on the surface, you're like, no, oh, it's Lamar Jackson, like, the, you know, coming through in big games, not all that, whatever. And then at the same time, you're like, he did win the MVP of the league last year. Like, we, yeah. we expect better uh, than three, four turnovers in a game against your rival. And so, you know, they played really, really well beyond that, right? The rest yeah. of the team has to be looking around and being like, man, like, we showed up. Would be they nice still if almost Lamar won. Right? Still should, yeah, the game should have been over at halftime. And so that didn't end up being the case. So you wonder if this is a letdown the next week. And remember our sort of stat here, our theory about playing the Steelers and then your game next week, right? You're like oh. right now, teams are literally over, I think, against the spread after playing the Steelers. They let the Steelers beat them a second straight week. That happened to the Tennessee Titans last week. So if you're, you know, we were sitting there going like, yeah, but I mean, that's not going to happen to the Titans against the Bengals. Boom, happened to the Titans against the Bengals. So you can't tell me that the the Ravens aren't going to go on the road here and potentially lose this game to a Colts team who you're right, has Darius Leonard back. That changes things for their defense. And this is already a team, right? A lot of people know best run defense in the league is Tampa Bay. You know who who's right behind them at 70-ish yards per game, the Indianapolis Colts. And there isn't anybody even close to them there, right? They are 12 yards clear of the, of the third best team. So Bucks and Colts, the two teams that can stop the run, especially with Darius Leonard in that backfield. So what do the Ravens want to do, right? They want to run the football and they're going to need to run the football because the biggest thing that happened to the Ravens last week was they lost their big money, newly, newly extended offensive tackle, Ronnie Stanley, right? like brutal injury for them, long-term really big problem, right? And it's not that big of a problem if you can run the football, 
but I just don't see that necessarily being the case here against the Colts. On top of that, we got to bring in our own friend, coronavirus, and he's bucked his head. And you've got Marlon Humphrey out for this game. You've got, I think, eight other guys who are in the protocol, which means they can't practice and they have to, you know, in order to play, they have to pass a test on Sunday, right? That's a situation for Matt Stafford this week. You'll recall, of course, the Trent Brown situation for the Raiders a couple of weeks ago and their offensive line when they weren't able to practice. So this Ravens team's got a lot of kind of distractions going on, and they're probably still licking their wounds from an extremely physical game because that's what the Steelers do right it's not pretty the Steelers beat you up right and Ben Roethlisberger he's not slinging it around the way people think that team is super physical and so now you're going on the road to the Colts in a situation here where the Colts are now getting fully healthy both offensively and defensively so Mm -hmm. I think the line is right about where it is right you're going to need and it's sort of ticking down off two and a half so you're going to need the Colts to win the game outright probably to cover where I would like to get is if it's still available at two and a half anywhere, I think you tease this up to eight and a half and you okay. just expect a really close game where if it's not a close game, I think it's because the Colts just kind of overwhelm as sort of strange as it is to say, overwhelm the Ravens who just might be too banged up and have too much going on this week. And one thing I find super weird about the Ravens that I don't like is because Lamar Jackson, there's a lot of talk about Hollywood Brown not being happy that he's not getting the ball enough. And Lamar Jackson then coming out saying, yeah, we need to do a better job of getting him the ball. And just kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's not your offense, bro. Like, yeah. let's settle things down. Right? Yeah, stay in your lane, right? Like, yeah, yeah let's, let's not- worry about holding yeah. on to the ball. Yeah. Let's worry about making, you know, productive passes in terms of, passes that put you in a position to succeed none of this like let's sit back in the pocket and let's look for hollywood brown and feet no like that's not that should not be a thing right right so i don't like that talk not that harbaugh's out here listening to that and they're gonna design like eight passing plays for hollywood brown but i just don't like that talk i don't want that to be a thing where you know we're gonna watch lamar sitting there in the pocket just because he's trying to do that like no 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 need you to get back to making plays but yeah, Lamar needs to do less thinking and not more thinking, right? Like you saw him when he was fumbling, it was because he just, he wasn't decisive. He didn't just say, you know what, screw it. I'm taking off. It was pump, pump, wait a second, because maybe he feels like he needs to get it to a Hollywood Brown, uh, Mark Andrews. Right. And I would have just liked to seen him just tuck it and go. He was giving the pass rush way too much opportunity to get sort of free shots on him. And that could still be the case here against the Colts. For sure, for sure. Uh, moving on to a couple other young QBs, Tua versus Kyler, as we got the four and three Dolphins heading to Arizona as four and a half point underdogs. I mean, Tua time got off to a weird start. It was yeah, ugly it was for Tua. Weird. It was ugly yeah, for Tua. It was, but the Dolphins it wasn't ugly. It was just weird. It was just weird. It, it didn't look good. Like if we're if you just watch the tape of Tua. Sure. And then you don't know what happened in the rest of the game, right? You're looking at that and you're saying, ah. but one of the things we talked about last week in terms of how well the organization did in terms of putting him into a position to succeed was making sure that he was getting thrust into a position where he's not going into the game with a crappy team around him. Right. Right. But also the way that they played it, the whole team, appear to buy into all this just in the sense that look at how big the defense plays and and this is where i know 
I know we come and you, you bring the stats and you talk about all those things and I love it and it's super important. But to me as like, there's always going to be a thing that you can't quantify. And one of those things is a defense and a special teams and the rest of the team, when you're buying in for your quarterback and you know, Hey, we got to make some plays today because we got this rookie coming in and things might be tough for him against Aaron Donald. So we got to step our shit up today. And that mm-hmm. defense and that special teams did for the Dolphins last week. It was it was crazy to watch. Like I felt, and Jared Goff played a huge role. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it was great to watch. So as I look forward into this week against Kyler and the Cards, I'm on the points. And part of the reason why I'm on the points with the Dolphins is because I'm wondering if it's a benefit that they didn't really get to see much of Tua. So like, you don't like, how are you really preparing for him? It's great coming off the buy, but it's not like you have all this material to now be like, yep, this is what we're going to do against Tua. Tua, I'm not, why did I even just try to even pronounce his last name <laughs> while I'm in the flow? Do you know what I mean? In the flow. Why did I even There's anything that? to jam you up. It's throw a tongue of Ilo into the mix. Sure. Why not? Uh, right? Yeah. Like, Listen, I, I'm, I think you're on. To, I think you're on to it, right? And it's sort okay. of listen. You know, I come on your, and you're right about the numbers, and we talk about sort of you know analyzing a box score, for instance, yeah. right? And that's you know I'm not the first person to do that. I'm literally maybe the last person um, to sort of come <laughs> along to sort of some of these metrics, right? Like yards per play yeah. and sort of all of that kind of stuff. That being said, you know, you look at that box score and I've seen a lot of people go like, can you believe the box score? Like the Rams had 90 plays and like da 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 da, and it's like. Yeah, but like this is different than the box score from the Ravens and the Steelers, right? The Ravens were up 17 to 7 at halftime, right? Like, yeah, of course the Rams had a lot of plays because every time the Dolphins scored in the first half, it was on, you know, a fumble return touchdown. Like it took yeah. zero seconds to get the ball and it was like, here's the ball right back. Yeah. And so for the, you know, the Tua thing, you know, we slam teams for blowing 17-point leads, right? Like, yep. it's pervasive. True. Every single week, there's a 17-point lead getting blown. Sometimes the team ends up winning the game, right? Like, Bills against Rams, you know, all of these, you know, Chargers against Jags, they still pull it out. But the 17-point lead is sort of never safe in 2020's NFL. And so... As strange as it sounds, some credit has to be given to the Dolphins for just throttling it down and just being like, we don't need to do too much, right? Yeah. And so the one to a turnover was a welcome to the NFL, Aaron Donald, full like pocket collapse, like, and feel free to block, by the way, Dolphins. But like, <laughs> you know, I, you can understand how like, he's not the first guy to get destroyed by Aaron Donald and fumble the football, right? Yeah. And so picked himself up, dusted himself off, and listen didn't have to do anything. And so if you could play a preseason game as a quarterback in the regular season, just to get tuned up, especially if it's your first ever start, isn't that the ideal circumstance? Like, sure. Okay. It'd be great if he threw for 300 yards and like led them to a comeback, but like, it's more about the team for the dolphins. Right. And like you said, and you, and you said it perfectly, right? It's like they took the first six games of the season to decide whether or not they had a good enough team to sort of plop Tua into the middle of this, right? And I think clearly they do. And that defense, we talked about it last week. We've talked about it before, right? Extremely high paid defense for a bunch of guys who are sort of relative unknowns, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't like, oh, they signed, remember when they signed Dominican Sue years ago, right? It's like, oh, a billion dollars for him. And he comes, he shows up and he doesn't really do all that much. Instead, they just 
spread it around. And that defense and that secondary are outstanding right now. And I think they're going to do a great job of handling a relatively one-dimensional offense in the Arizona Cardinals, right? Like Kyler, obviously he brings a second dimension with his legs. And part of defending that is having good safeties as well, especially in the red zone, right? Reading and reacting to the plays that he makes, right? The Cardinals' best offense is that red zone offense. Now, if the Dolphins could keep him out of the red zone, that would be great too. But I think getting four, four and a half, five points here with the Cardinals, excuse me, with the Dolphins against the Cardinals is just, I just think that's just a solid bet, right? This game has to be close. And I don't know if two is going to have to do anything. And if he has to do something, I think it's great that he's already played a game if he's called upon to quote unquote, do something. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting matchup to watch for sure. And I just like, you know, the storyline aspect too. I'm a sucker for the headline. So seeing Tua against Kyler, two of the young bucks going toe to toe, even though it's going to be about the rest of the team so much more as well, but it's just a cool storyline for a game that, you know, dolphins Cardinals. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, two years ago, right. If we had said to our, you know, we'd sat around watching college football on a Saturday and we'd said, Hey, like, you know, it's going to be cool when like Tua and Kyler play each other in, you know, in the NFL, we also probably wouldn't be going like, we're going to have so much confidence in Kyler, but we're going to be, you know, have some trepidation about (laughs) Tua going into that game. We'd be like, no, it's going to be sick because both these guys are awesome. And it's like, somehow we got from there to here where we're wondering about whether Tua is good. And we're like positive that Kyler Murray, all five foot eight of them, is good right it's like it's very strange that in, from back then to now this is how we've gotten here super crazy super crazy uh also what i found crazy last week was the now seven and one chiefs really doing the most to cover a 20 point spread against the yeah. Jets. and i would love i would like to thank you for just making it very simple for me last week in terms of just taking the chiefs because don't spend too much time thinking about it. No, of course you don't like taking double digit spreads, but why on earth would you want to just take the jets and then watch that game and be like, go jets. Like that makes no sense. Nobody wants to be. I'm pretty sure my advice was like exclude it from, from your picks in general, pretend it never happened and never watch the game. But yeah, you're right. And the funniest part about that game, right. Was I didn't watch it. I was like, I'm, this is it. It's canceled. Like I I gave my own COVID too. I just, I COVIDed the game. I canceled it personally. And so I'm like, I'm not watching this game, but I was, you know, obviously the score comes up and it's hilarious that we talked about how the spread was in like 19 and a half, which is really weird number for it to be for most of the week. And you look at the score and it's 28 to nine. And I'm like, as if it's on 19 right now, like what a weird circumstance, like what a weird coincidence that it just happens to be sitting on 19 (laughs) for a fair amount of that second half. And you're like, sure, it could be on 21. It could be even on 14 and you wouldn't really have a, decision yet on the spread but just the fact that it was sitting on 19 was so funny to me and of course the Chiefs end up you know covering and the Jets literally give up they had a full (laughs) opportunity to do a two and a half minute drive to get some momentum have maybe score a touchdown in this game and they just start handing the ball off and running the clock out so if you're looking to bet yeah if you're looking to bet the Jets at a huge number like you have to sit there and go man Adam Gase is really just fine with losing by 27 26 points points like this guy is embarrassingly bad you know it was funny though so at the very end of our talk on that game last week i was like you know what you've convinced me i'm just gonna take 
I have Mahomes in fantasy. I'm not going to watch the game, and I'm just going to sit back, take the Chiefs to win by 19 and a half, and that's it. And Mahomes comes out with five touchdowns, and I'm just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And when I did break it on, oh, they were – they were trying so hard. They're going for it on fourth downs. They're running fake punts. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I bring that up because this week the Chiefs are hosting the Panthers and they're 11-point favorites. So I don't know how much of trying to run up the score last week had to do with Lev Bell because they were trying to feed him the ball a lot and it didn't really right. work for Lev right. Bell. But they were going, again, going for it on fourth downs, running fake punts against the Jets which is just weird. So now coming into this week, another double-digit favorite at 11 points against Teddy Two Gloves and the Panthers. And I want to take, hey, we talk about it all year. Teddy Two Gloves and the Panthers as underdogs. We've been about that life all year long. And getting 11 points sounds good. Yeah. But I feel like it might be one of those where you don't want to catch the Chiefs right now because Mahomes is kind of hearing too much talk about everyone else's MVP talk. Right. <laughs> and like, yeah. hey, hey, we're over here. We're still the champs. Why is nobody sure. talking about everyone talking about the Steelers and Titans and Ravens? And nobody's really talking about the Chiefs. And they're like, guys, right. we're here. So I might yeah, and, be on the Chiefs. It's just that point points. in time. Yeah, they're going to put up points, right? And it's just a matter of how interested is the defense, right? And that, as strange as it sort of sounds, right? Like that defense is an occasional type of an effort, right? Like they just don't, sometimes they have it, right? And then sometimes it's like, yeah, it's just, you know, whatever. He's going to put up 35, so why do we really need to do anything here, right? And Panthers should be getting Christian McCaffrey back, right? And it's like, sure, it was one thing when he went out. And we've talked about backup quarterbacks, right? When they come in and they come in for a game or two and you're sort of like, oh, this guy's not bad. Like maybe he could be, you know, and you've seen NFL teams in sort of history go like, let's sign that guy. He could be our starter. And then you get 16 games out of him, Nick Mullins. And you're like, <laughs> oh God, like what a horror show this is. Like this, yeah. this guy's no chance that this guy should be playing more than two NFL games at a time. And so- it's kind of feels like that might be the case for the Panthers with their running back in Mike Davis, where we were like, okay, okay like McCaffrey, like, does he matter all that much? And it's like, no, they beat the chargers. And it's like, oh, okay. Like we're pretty okay with how this offense is currently running. But I think when McCaffrey gets back, it'll be like, Oh, Oh yeah. Like yeah. this is, this is a running back right now. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is the MVP of our team. Like mm-hmm. now we're talking. Now the problem is, right, they're probably going to need 30 points here to roll up with the Chiefs because the yeah. defense right now for the Panthers is decrepit, right? We saw that on Thursday night. You know, a lot of zone Julio Jones finding the spot in the zone, right? Sitting down, boom, catch, bad seat. And, and they will dust that up. Mahomes, yeah, and Kelsey, and, and company will don't. eat that and they don't get the pressure, right, that we need to run the zone. Like the zone works if you're the Chargers and you have a good pass rush. The zone works if you're the Patriots and you can scheme stuff up with the defensive line that can get some pressure. It doesn't really work if he just sits back there and finds Kelsey and Hill's coming across the middle and it's wide open and it just gets really ugly really quick. So, you know, you're talking 11, 10 and a half points here. I'm still liable to take the Panthers, Okay, but it's not something that I necessarily love here because if this could easily be, you know, thirty-five twenty-one, and you sort of go, yeah, Panthers gave it all they had, yeah. you know, or like thirty-eight twenty-four, and you're like, they really efforted it, and it just doesn't work out that way, right? 
Yeah, and I think it's a tough one to read as well because, you know, you might have thought the the Chiefs are going to put up all these all these numbers against the Jets, but I didn't think they would – like, you have to make a calculated decision to keep going for it on fourth down and to run fake punts. Like, that's a coaching decision. That has nothing to do really with, like, our read on a point spread, right? That's Andy right. Reid waking up in the morning feeling spicy, right, and saying, we're going for kill shots here in the first half. So that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I love the points. If I'm if you're telling me Teddy Two Gloves is getting double digit points against anybody, I'm more likely to take that just because what you talked about before, right? The double digit spreads and is the quarterback just capable and functional, right? Right. And taking yeah, this is one points? that the back door could very well be open for, right? Like yes. a 17 point game late, and it's like they're not just going to hand the ball off. Uh, with two and a half minutes to go, like ridiculous Adam Gase just going like, well, try it next time. Like they're actually going to sort of run plays, run their offense, and it's fully capable. And of course, you know, two weeks ago, we talked about the Teddy Two Gloves stats, right? Mm -hmm. Those are all still very much in play, right? Road game, big favorite over seven points or big underdog over seven points, all of that stuff very much in play. And in a lot of ways, you just have to take Teddy Two Gloves just to be rolling with with those trends. And that Chiefs defense is very liable to play along with the backdoor cover. Right? Yeah. yeah. So. And again, like McCaffrey out of the backfield from a throwing, right? From a receiving yep. standpoint, you've yep. got him and the Chiefs not necessarily known for their speed with their linebackers, right? So that's a tough matchup for them from that standpoint. Uh, speaking of tough matchups, we got the five and three Bears going to Tennessee, take on the five and two Titans. Titans coming off of a loss to the Bengals, not a position you ever want to be in, but they are seven (laughs) point favorites at home to the bears. Seems like a lot of points. I still don't know what to really make a Nick Foles in the bears offense is somehow we're in a position where people are called. Some people are calling for Trubisky to come back in, which is just wild. (laughs) Hey, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's a wild position to be in, but here we are. All I'll say is Nick Foles got me to my uh, my week in fantasy where I had to sit one of my QBs. So whatever happens after this, whatever, cool. But I think the Titans, they might are the Titans just in a bad part of their schedule right now, or is this like a bigger sign of something that could be wrong, or is this just a, a rough spot for them? What do you think of the yeah, seven I mean, points that they're getting? Yeah, we talked about the Steelers thing, unless you say seven, right? I assume that is that an Ontario lottery and gaming uh, line because, you know, it's widely six right now, right? And it's been sort of ticking between five and a half and six. So it could get to seven. That's a very reasonable possibility. It has moved up from five and a half to six. Seems like it could get to six and a half. So like from a projection standpoint, sure, it could get to seven. And once it hits seven, I think you do have to take the Bears. But yeah. You know, when you're looking at five and a half, six points here and the Tennessee Titans schedule, as you mentioned, listen, like we talked about the Steelers, right? Like if you play the Steelers the next week, there is going to be a residual element to that, right? It's like the reverse of a bye week, right? You come out of your bye week, you're refreshed, right? You come out of playing some regular team and you're just, you know, it's whatever. And then you come out of playing the Steelers and you're just like, man, I'm still sore (laughs) on Thursday type of thing, right? And so... Like, 
if this is just a, going to be a thing, then again, I kind of can't really blame the Titans for necessarily losing that game against a Bengals team that is always up for stuff, right? Like they're your buddy who's like a Tuesday night and somebody, you know, is fired up about something. They're like, do you want to go for beers? And he's like, rips off his tearaway pants and he's got like khakis underneath and he's like ready to hit the bar. Like, he's like, sure, I'm in. It's like, weren't you just in for a movie? And he's like, no, 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 I want to go out for beers. And so back when we used to be able to go out for beers. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to beat them up about that loss, right? From yeah. a Bears standpoint, man, I mean, listen, we won the bet last week, <laughs> but it's just, it's rough every time, right? And so for me, I like the Bears in these situations where they're at home, where they, you know, have this, you know, an offense coming to town that they can slow down. Yeah. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, though, with the Titans, right? The Titans can do more things, strangely enough, to beat sure. you offensively than the Saints can, even yeah. than the Bucks can right now, because obviously Tannehill playing really well, and of course Derrick Henry always kind of looming. So... As much as I would be like, yeah, six points with the Bears, like, I'll try that. The other thing with the Titans defensively, like, what is the thing that we've been waiting for all of the season long is the return oh. of Adoree Jackson at corner because the Titans cannot cover anybody right now. It is a mess. And so the thing about the Bengals, the thing that we should have been on top of is – when they go three wide, four wide receivers, like who's the fourth guy on the Titans that's going to cover anybody, right? Like yeah. it's grim. So they, again, finally, it looks like they're getting a Dory Jackson back. They've made a trade with the Chargers to get Desmond King. And yeah. so there's two guys who haven't been in the Titans secondary before. And just saying that sentence, it sounds like a negative, but when it comes to the Titans, it's actually a positive. And yeah. so they release the guy who normally plays slot corner for them. So that's going to be big. And so you go, okay, that's nice. And then you look at the bears and you go, who are we afraid of on the bears offense? And it's literally Allen Robinson. And that's the list, right? We needed him to play in that game against the saints because we needed that one or two catches a game where Nick Foles just kind of flings it up and Allen Robinson goes and gets it. And he made exactly. one of the best sneaky best touchdown catches yeah. of the entire year. And it was like literally that, that right there. That's why Allen Robinson needs to be in this game. And that's why we would bet on the bears in this case, if Adoree Jackson's back and he's going up against Allen Robinson, that gives the Titans a chance defensively yeah. when again, they've just played Watson, Roethlisberger and even Joey covers as uh, as we like to call him and now it's Foles right like at least it's sort of a step down from a quarterback standpoint sure. the Bears have never been able to run the ball this season so this might be a chance for the Titans to play some decent defense here offensively no real problems there obviously the Bears really good defense but is it so good that it's going to you know, be able to stop the Titans uh, after a loss. Like, I like the Titans coming off a loss. A little bit worried about my boy Vrabel because he had some very sketchy decisions last week, right? Sort of a one-step-forward, two-back, two-step-forward, one-back situation yeah. with him. But, you know, as much as credit as we were giving him against the Texans, it's like now he's punting from, like, the 36-yard line, and you're just like, I don't really know what the hell's going on here. And, of course, Goskowski always lurking, right? So when you, when you need to cover a number as a favorite, we're going to need extra points. We're going to need field goals. We can't have that field position swing when you're missing field goals. So he's a bit of a wild card, right? And so, yeah, I don't necessarily love the Titans here necessarily, but at minus five and a half, minus six, 
with the Dory Jackson coming back, I think this does play out where the Titans can sort of come back to be that really good team, right? Like they're on the fence, right? They're, they're so close to being like really good. And I think this might be that like, Oh, they are pretty good. And then next week they might just stink entirely and it might all go away. Yeah. I like the Titans too, in that situation as well. Uh, Speaking of trying to figure out if teams are really good. I don't think either of these teams are really good. We've got the three and four Broncos coming off a a big last second win. And I know you love your man, Drew Luck's dance moves for sure. (laughs) Or Drew Locke, pardon me. Um, And uh, the Falcons who you were all over the Falcons win last week as well. And they've been off since last Thursday. And now they're hosting the Broncos as four point favorites. I mean, I'm on the Falcons, but I don't like it because I just don't like the sentence of being on the Falcons, but they are trending in the right direction. And with more time to prepare the Broncos, I don't really know what to make of them other than liking Drew Locke's dance moves when he's making me money. But like beyond that, like it was, that was a weird game. And Anthony Lynn had a lot to do with that Broncos comeback just in terms of like, We'll, we'll get to that. That's the next game we'll talk about. We'll get there. But <laughs> right. Four points. I don't like it because it's weird. It's just, it's, it's telling me Vegas zone, Vegas zone, take the points in the Broncos. So I'm not right. really sure which side to be on here. Well, yeah, I think you were right in sort of saying like, I, you know, it's not a sentence that you'd love to say, but I think you were forgetting the end part of the sentence, right? It's as a favorite, right? Like you don't really want to be on the Falcons, dot, 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 as a favorite. And just because Dan Quinn is gone doesn't mean all of a sudden the Falcons as a favorite stink is gone, right? Because it literally isn't, right? They won as an (laughs) underdog against the Vikings, right? As an underdog, they lost in the Todd Gurley fiasco game that again, they shouldn't have, they were never going to cover that game until he fell into the end zone as a favorite, a tiny favorite, right? Like they even almost won, but still didn't cover two points, right? If they kicked the field goal, they didn't everything properly. They still would have won the game without covering as a tiny, tiny favorite. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, then they go, right? Pick them essentially type game. They got a bunch, you know, a lot of money came in on the Falcons moving that line from sort of two and a half to close to a pick them. And yeah. Okay. Full credit. They've been playing better. But again, now we're asking them to essentially win by a touchdown here at minus four. I don't like it. And for me, I don't love the Broncos. I don't love Drew Locke. Is, did, I, did I begrudgingly accept his dance when <laughs> after, after they scored that touchdown? Like, yeah, I did, right? Like, that's how it works, right? I thought it was ridiculous when he was dancing at 7-6 two weeks before that, and they basically didn't score the rest of the game. And then, like, and this time like, I was first like... down motions, and it's like, bro, you know you're down 10, right? Touchdown, they show Drew Locke, and I'm, like, pumped because I had the, I had the Broncos. And then I'm like, I'm like, wait for it. He's gonna do a dance, isn't he? And then he did it, and I was like, okay, fine, Drew. You're like, oh, you know, I'll let that go. Uh, and so, for the Broncos and Drew Locke, like, which offense is it going to be? And frankly, which defense is it going to be? Because that game was three nothing Broncos last week at the two minute warning of the first half, and then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, the Crazy. bleep the fan right the rest of the way and it's like well i thought the broncos were going to be able to move the ball against the chargers and then they didn't until finally they did and so for me i just kind of wonder if drew lock isn't the same as josh allen in that like just because he's the quarterback of a cold weather team doesn't mean 
he likes the cold weather. I got you know, you. and so I like Drew Locke. Oh God, speaking of gross sentences, but I like Drew Locke indoors here potentially, right? Like Against it. a Falcons defense that again, hasn't shown us anything that we need to get too excited about. Big thing last week with Denver, Noah Fant is back. And now they sort of have a two tight end type offense that can get them moving the ball down the field. It's never really going to be spectacular, though they did have a couple of big plays. Deshaun Hamilton broke one that was key to them covering that spread last week. And so it's like, yeah, I think they can move the ball against the Falcons, and the Falcons' offense is what that is. Broncos' defense, again, inconsistent, right? Sometimes Justin Herbert zipping it by them relatively easy. Other times turning it over, making big stops, that kind of thing. So I like Denver plus the points here, plus four. Part of it is I'm not ready to trust the Falcons to do any sort of covering as a favorite. Like, that's not what I'm at. Show me before it happens, right? And so I'm going to need to see that that before I start making that play. So so begrudgingly in a way um, I do like Denver plus four here. See, I, I like it. And that's why, you know, sometimes I need to say these things out loud and then yeah. you call me out on, it's like, of course you don't like the Falcons by four points. <laughs> Cause right. why, why are the Falcons favored by four points against anybody? And again, sure, and it's a cover, book. right? Like, there's no such thing as a lock could go to overtime. They win the coin toss, get a touchdown, whatever, right? Games tied late. They get a touchdown. All of this stuff is certainly possible, but we're just going to start handing out points for the yeah. Falcons. That's Halloween was last weekend, man. We're not handing out anything. And we didn't even get to hand out anything last week. Right. <laughs> no, but but the, the main point, though, is that which side would you ra- want to be on? And you can see watching this game, and it's like the Falcons driving to win by a field goal because they're just doing Falcon things again, which they did in that game <laughs> against the yeah. Panthers, right? They tried really hard to mess that game up too. So they're still the Falcons. I got you. Taking the points and the Broncos for sure. Flipping ahead, we mentioned the Chargers blowing that lead to said Broncos. Chargers at two and five in a pick'em game hosting the Raiders, who are at four and three. Raiders coming off a weird win in the wind yeah. <laughs> against the Browns. And I guess I like the Raiders in this pick'em game. You're just picking a winner. So I know, right. you know, it's not the fun of the point spread here. Right. And I guess I like the Raiders. And, and I, I think that's just because I, I watched the Chargers blow this game. I don't really have much on this game, to be honest. But I, right. I'm on Vegas here. If you're telling me pick a team to win, going to tick the box on the Raiders. See, I love the Chargers in this one. I'm sorry, I do. Uh, listen, it's the same. The Chargers are the Falcons of the West, right? Like, yes. If migration yes, was yes, north yes. south, if migration was east west, the Falcons would have flown to to. I almost said San Diego to L.A. And that's the situation, right? Like, and so yeah, I don't want the Chargers as a favorite. Nobody else okay. does apparently too, and that's why people are for some reason are betting Las Vegas here. I don't think Las Vegas is very good. I think they're Neither putting together smoke and mirrors wins here, right? Like the Chiefs one felt like, hey, if this game was two more minutes, it would be a real problem for the Raiders. The Saints yeah. game, we were woefully outplayed from a metric standpoint. The game last week, all they needed was a gale force wind to come in. That game was 6-6 through yeah. three quarters. Like kudos to them for having the – you know, in the wind, you need the dink and dunk offense. You need the possession offense where you have plays, where you have Gruden, 
you yeah. know, cooking up spider two Y banana, you know, with the fullback, <laughs> throw it into the flat. Like, let's just, yeah. you know, matriculate the ball down the field. And they get the touchdown to sort of separate from Cleveland. Of course, Cody Parkey misses a late field goal that I think would have made that game really interesting from a, you know, outright standpoint. Um, and so, like, it all sort of feels a little fraudulent here every time the Raiders win a game. And now they're going to go indoors and play what should be a fast track type of track meet type game with a Chargers team who, listen, like, if things don't go squirrely, unless I understand, I understand that they did, right? But if fundamentally it was a Hunter Henry penalty, that was one of these chop block situations, right? Where you're, you know, two guys go and they block, one guy goes high, one guy goes low. And if you don't realize the other guy's going to block, you're kind of screwed when it comes to like, you're going to get called for the penalty and it's not really your fault. And that was the difference between them closing that game with either a touchdown or even potentially running out the clock against the Broncos, then the Broncos coming back and winning. Right. And I don't know for all of the games that it's been Anthony Lynn's fault, right? Like, why are you trying to run plays with 15 seconds left of the first half against the Bucks? Like, you know, all of this stuff that normally happens with the chargers, the, you know, Badgley misses the field goal against the saints. This was the one game where it was just like, man, that, felt kind of unlucky now of course you're not supposed to give up you know three touchdowns in the fourth quarter but (laughs) it just didn't really feel like there was one thing where you're like what is Anthony Lynn doing now right it was more just like man I really would have been nice if he didn't pass interfere in the end zone now we took advantage of that so I don't mean us specifically but I got you this is a team that was 20 points up against the Broncos this is still a team that has had all of these leads and again don't want him as a favorite thought this number should be like three and a half to be completely honest with you at which point i would be like homer into the hedge like don't want anything to do with it but it's not it's a pick em. and for some reason people like the raiders and listen there might be something that i'm completely missing here but i love the way that justin herbert's playing i like him way more than i like Derek carr i think they're going to be able to move the ball against the raiders defense that is not very good that needs gale force wins in order to help them play and for me i think this is a really great spot for the chargers to you know actually get a win here hopefully not blow it um, I love the Chargers a ton here. I think they're a really talented team. And again, this is sort of this, again, I, how they're two and six is ridiculous, but this isn't a two and six team, right? This is like a five and three level talented team here. Uh, I think they beat the Raiders here. I got you, man. I got you. I really, that's, it's an interesting one. And again, I didn't have a strong take going either way on it, but I, I'm picking up what you're putting down as they say. <laughs> Uh, speaking of putting down, I'm going to be putting down the Cowboys a lot here, but actually not for that much because there's really no reason to speak a lot about this Cowboys game as your man's Danucci did not look good at all. But then again, what were we expecting? Uh, <laughs> but the Cowboys now find themselves hosting the Steelers. Steelers favored by 14 points. Yes, the 7-0 and Steelers. And we talked about them having a bunch of big games in a row. Well, it's not a bye week, but you get the Cowboys here. 14-point favorites, as, as mentioned. Not really sure who's going to start for the Cowboys, as there's rumors of it could be a fourth stringer being upped from the practice squad, which who knows what's going on there. But the Cowboys are just a mess. Watching that game, it was clear they ran out of trick plays in the first quarter, and it wasn't yeah. going to go well. Right. Your, your man's a concussed Andy Dalton is now put on the COVID list. So it's just problem after problem after problem for them Cowboys. 
and yeah. you couldn't give me enough points if I'm the Steelers. Like, at what point would I stop taking the Steelers here? I, I don't know, but 14 right. isn't it. I'm going to take the Steelers here. Sure. Um I know this game has let down potential and you're probably going to tell me, I know you're probably going to tell me I should date the Cowboys because the Steelers like this is a letdown game to a T for the Steelers. I just can't watch the Cowboys and pick the Cowboys and root for them to do anything. That's where I'm at. And the, good, and the good thing is you don't have to, right? Like we, we went from Sunday night football where it was like, God, we're going to have to watch this. And up until the referees and the NFL entire, like robbed the Cowboys entirely <laughs> of the cover, yeah. um, up until that point, I really enjoyed that game for how ridiculously terrible everybody involved was, right? We, like, it was perfect that Jerome Boger was somehow like the referee for this, where it was like, how can we make this game even more ridiculously bad? Let's have yeah. him totally botched the entire situation. I'm sure, you know, we don't know who the people are back in the NFL offices who help review, but I'm sure they put the seventh string guy in for that review situation. (laughs) Um, All of that is to say, you're right though. Danucci, not a professional quarterback, felt like he had gotten drafted as an afterthought because he knew the coach's brother who had passed away and it was all very sort of like this is never going to have to be an issue because we've got Andy Dalton and Dak Prescott type of a thing and lo and behold it's an issue now um first of all the two guys coming in are better quarterbacks than Ben DiNucci okay so let's start I hope so (laughs) like Cooper well yes and it's hard yeah hard not to be but like Cooper Rush um, very good college quarterback, uh, okay. Mac quarterback, admittedly, but like still a very good quarterback for an extended period of time. And a guy who had been the backup for the Cowboys for a few years now, right? Almost okay. too good to be a third string quarterback, which is why he was cut after Andy Dalton got signed, right? So it was sort of you. like, we'll let you sort of see what you can get the, around the rest of the league. So, you know, if Ben DiNucci is not one of the top 100 quarterbacks in the, in the world, which he's probably not, Cooper Rush actually might be, right? On the flip side, Gilbert played in the XFL last year, wasn't terrible, so at least he's had some action in the last, what, two years? Yeah. So again, all of these things are at least better than Ben DiNucci, right? So it's wins over Ben DiNucci uh, from a metric <laughs> standpoint. And so... Yeah, you look at this line, and again, there are no secrets here, right? Like, the Cowboys are atrocious. No one's sitting around going like, you know what, I think they're not bad. Like, the reality is they are bad. And that's the same thing as the Green Bay-San Francisco game, where it's like, yes, and the line is made according to that fact, right? So for me, yeah, at 14, am I, like, sprinting down the street to, like, get my money? And no, do I think this goes to 14 and a half? I kind of think it does. And even if it doesn't, I think that's a decent indication that Cowboys plus 14 is actually probably the right side here, right? We look at the Steelers and we go, okay, they beat the Ravens. They're 7-0, and right? But there's a lot of like, you know, the Larry David meme where he's cut the face going. He's like, eh, maybe. Like, that's a lot of Steelers stuff right now. Like, the offense is not very good. Like, they are winning the games, but the offense is just not doing it right now from a metric standpoint. And so, massive letdown spot too, right? Obviously a huge win against the Ravens, especially in one where, as we talked about, they didn't really deserve to necessarily win from how they played on the field. And we've talked about it sort of going into each and every game, but it's literally Eagles, right? Interstate game, 
Browns, Revenge Against Miles Garrett, uh, Tennessee Titans, Battle of Undefeated. Now you're going on the road to Baltimore. And it's like the schedule is piling up from a sort of just on their shoulders standpoint. And now they can sort of take the week off, go to the Cowboys, probably beat them, and do so relatively easy. This feels a lot like Bucks Giants from Monday night, where you're getting a ton of points here against a team. Like, is Cooper Rush necessarily worse than Daniel Jones? Not necessarily, right? And so for (laughs) me, I think you have to take, like, let's put it this way. If you're in a pool, or if you're doing something crazy, like, I don't know, trying to pick every game against the spread, (laughs) where you absolutely have to do it, you have to take the Cowboys here, right? Especially if in your pool, because you're getting value here, because the number's too high, right? It just is. And you're getting value and you're also getting sort of an implicit value against your competitors in a pool who don't want anything to do with the Cowboys. And we're just going to blindly take the Steelers here. So you have to take the Cowboys from that standpoint. I'm not saying it needs to be a big bet or like this is a lock of the week or anything like that. It's just, unfortunately, and it's gross, but you have to take the Cowboys here at plus 14 or better. The defense getting a little bit better as well, right? The Steelers, again, their offense isn't anything to write home about necessarily. So again, it sucks, but I think you're getting an upgraded quarterback from the Cowboys. And that's at least something when you have those other weapons around and the Steelers don't have to do much and they know they don't have to do much. Like they're not sure. pulling out their a game. Like they've played their a B and C games already. They can 24. get by with like an F game, right? Yeah. 24 to 14. Everybody had a great time. Cowboys cash the ticket, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I got you. There's a lot of just trash Fecta games left here. So yes. I'm going to say this. Okay. Giants in Washington. Yeah. In the, crappy nfc east and i've said all the time danny dimes is not a side that i want to be on at any point uh washington coming off a bye i'm leaning washington coming off a bye against the giants on a short week i'm just taking it that simple i know it's at two and a half at this point i i love washington in this okay. game I'll do, and just really quickly because we talked about it the first time around right yeah. washington at new york remember it was, it was the line was three and we're yep. like why are the giants favored by three let's mm-hmm. just take washington here and we ended up getting there with that two-point conversion situation at the end for ron rivera here it opens up washington three and i can see the market saying wait why is washington favored by three and this line ticking down to two and a half at which point I'm all about Washington because I think Washington is better than the Giants. I think even in that loss, they proved to me that they were better than the Giants. I think the Giants might get a little more extra credit because they hung in with the Bucs. But again, this was sort of Monday Night Football, somewhat of a Super Bowl for the Giants. Washington rested, more time for Kyle Allen to get into the offense, right? He's got a few weapons there that they showed that they can use a little bit against the Cowboys. Now, that was an easy game because the Cowboys couldn't do anything offensively. But what are the Giants going to do necessarily offensively? Like, we've seen it. Like, Daniel Jones cannot find out where his open guys are. It is bad. And that defensive line, right, is arguably better than the Bucks' defensive line. And yeah. the defense in general is getting better. And the offense is getting better. I think Washington is a team that we're going to be playing on a ton the rest of the way this season. Most of the time as an underdog of over a touchdown, like that kind of spot. But here against the Giants, divisional game, where, again, Washington thinks they can win this division. 
And I'm not going to sit here and say they can't, given what I've seen from the rest of the division, right? Again, Shelf having that win all, already over the Eagles is massive. And the reason Kyle Allen is in there, because they're like, we can win five or six games. And this is one that they have to have. This is one that they've been focusing on for two weeks now. I love Washington in this game, but make sure you get the minus two and a half, because that's what I... That's where we're at right now with the point spread off of the three. I understand why the move has come off of the three because of yeah. what we talked about with the previous matchup. I just think it's different. I think Washington is better. I think there's a difference between these two teams, and I love the football team. I'm with you on the football team there. Uh, to a team that might not be a football team, the 0-8 Jets are hosting the Patriots on Monday night. Patriots are favored by seven, and – I know there's not much to to look at the Patriots and say that they should be favored by seven over any team, but there was a team for them to be favored by a touchdown by. It would be the Jets. I don't like it. The Jets remain trash. And you kind of touched on it before, just in terms of talking about uh, your man's, in uh, what's their coach's name? Gase. Why did I draw a blank there? He's forgettable. That's why. Yeah, he's got eight games left. You don't need to remember. (laughs) And I mean like in his NFL career because how do you hire him to do anything well the the thing is you, you talked about it earlier and Gase just kind of mailing it in against the the Chiefs last week this game you would you want to talk yourself into the Jets in terms of well how many games on their schedule do they have where they think they could possibly win watching right. the Patriots on like on the downturn here this has to be a game on Monday night where if you're the Jets, you think you can win a game. This has to be the spot, no? And even with that said, I want nothing to do with the Jets. Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those games where I almost rather have them on the money line, right? Like I okay. want to, I think I might throw them in as part of what I do over at the window on, you know, for every weekend. I go, here's five money line underdogs. Let's throw them together in a parlay just for fun. Let's throw them together all by threes, right? And sometimes we get three out of five and it works out okay. And sometimes you'll hit four and that's awesome. And we're still waiting for that one day where we hit all five underdogs and we're just silo cash McDucking diving like it's a whole scene and so i almost rather have the jets as that money line piece that like lottery shot than have them at plus seven because if this thing's close or if they cover it's like going to be because it's their super bowl right it's like they literally took the baton from the giants this week and we're like all right this is like you said it's their one chance now they play the patriots again late in the season that's going to be at foxborough maybe the patriots don't care about that game and they're going to be up against you know yeah god knows who might be the quarterback at that point like <laughs> hoyer may be back in the mix right like yeah. it could be i could be me i could be playing quarterback and could be seven. edelman could be Edelman, right? Like, no, because he's he's washed in 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 in, a, in its entirety. So, yeah, like, unless you're going to wait until that last week to get your win for the Jets, and maybe it's under somebody other than Gase because he gets fired after week 16. This is it. Like, this is it on the schedule. Like, it's really coming down to this. And the Patriots, if they weren't the Patriots, if it wasn't wasn't Bill Belichick we would be looking at this Patriots team going like, yeah, very winnable game here for the Jets. Yep. They got a couple of scoring drives at least last week against the Chiefs, right? <laughs> like they were throwing field goals around in the first half. Like, by the way, like, I, you know, listen, again, I didn't watch the game. I couldn't tell you like were they fourth and 15s, all of that kind of thing. But like, you're even if you think 
even if you can't win this game, you're really just going to kick field goals against the Chiefs. Like, even <laughs> in the first half, it's like, field goals are the option here. Like, just keep going for it. Like, you got shut out two weeks ago. No one's going to be surprised if you get shut out again. Like, yeah. stop kicking field goals. So, anyway, the point is, is like, listen, Adam Gase is atrocious. It would, it would involve Adam Gase winning a game, A, yeah. and, but beating Bill Belichick, which is a sentence that's absolutely ridiculous. So... <laughs> The point is, is that like if something crazy is going to happen, it's going to be that the Jets win this game. It's not going to be that this is some sort of close but not quite type of a game, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I uh, yeah, just just a horrible option for us on Monday night. No, I got you. I got you. And we left a couple games off. There's no line that I can see from the Lions and Vikings, and there's some COVID outbreaks for the Tennessee Titans. And the one in Tennessee Titans. Wow. Houston Texans is what I meant to say. COVID outbreaks. Maybe it's just I associate COVID with the Titans still. I don't know if that's a thing. But the Houston Texans COVID outbreak. And they're against the Jags. So not really going to talk about those two games. Because who cares? Really? I'm I'm being honest. But unless, unless... Do one of those games happen to partake in our sucker better survivor pick, or you got something else you want to say about those games? Uh, a little bit of both, right? I think there's a ton of sucker bets of the week this week, and maybe I'm the sucker for thinking that there's so many sucker bets, right? Like we've talked about a handful of them. Like for one, right? Like betting Green Bay at a massive number feels like a sucker move, right? Yeah. Um, betting, uh, let's see here, betting the, well, betting the Giants at plus three to me feels like they're drawing you in. Betting Seattle minus three feels like they're drawing you in for something of a sucker okay. type bet. Um, but for me here, nobody wants anything to do with the Jags, right? Completely understandable. Like if you literally go through their game log, it's like lost by 14, lost by 15, lost by 10, like a lot of double digit losses, right? Correct. I love the Jags this week. I think we can get seven. Uh, it's hit seven. Let me put it this way. It was six and a half. I love this, I love this so much. For a, few, for a few hours and then went right back to six and a half. So there's okay. somebody out there putting big money on the Jags at plus seven. So just from a market standpoint, let's just leave that there, right? Like, let's just okay. put that over there and let us know that it's not insane to like the Jags. Two. Yeah, yeah. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we took the te- the Tex I almost did it now with the Titans. Uh, we did the Texans uh, okay. in Survivor, and yes. I was like, "Holy!" Like they hadn't won a game yet, and it was like, yeah. "I can't believe we're doing this," but we did it. And I watched every snap of that game, and they ended up winning by twenty points. And Romeo Cornell was the hero, and the Texans are back, and they haven't won since. And even watching that game, I was like, "Man, I think the Jags are better than the Texans." It just so happened happened that they missed a couple field goals. They had that fourth and two where they did the RB option where they just dropped the ball. Like they were doing too much. But if they had just done a little bit less against a team that maybe wasn't as fired up to not have Bill O'Brien as their coach anymore, they may have won that game. And so, listen, Gardner Minshew threw for 300 yards against the Texans, right? And so now you've got them off a bye week. Now both teams are off a bye week, but the Texans are off of a bye week where if you're on the Texans and you are one in seven one and six after making the playoffs last year and you go on your bye week like you are going to Cancun and you are forgetting (laughs) about the NFL season and then you're coming back and going like yeah we could probably walk you know sleepwalk through a Jags game or whatever meanwhile the Jags new quarterback and I'm here to talk to you about Jake Luton can I put you in that Jake Luton over there uh Jake Luton Oregon State quarterback he 
listen, when we watch that Sunday night game, you watch Ben DiNucci and you go, man, third string quarterbacks, man. Like, and it's just like, oh, it's this horror show, right? But Ben DiNucci is not a third string quarterback. He's not a seventh string quarterback in the NFL. He's just what the Cowboys had available to them, right? And again, feels like the drafting of him was done as somewhat of a favor, something along those lines. He played at James Madison. He played four games for Pitt in division, you know, 1A, and then got sort of bottomed out of the entire division, right? He went to FCS level schools. Jake Luton started 20 plus games in the Pac-12 on really bad Oregon State teams and had 28 touchdowns and three interceptions last year. That's really good, right? Like that's better than Gardner Minshew type numbers over at Washington State, right? And so he might be better than Gardner Minshew. So if they wanted to just put Sean Glennon in there, which they sort of look like they might be doing, like Sean Glennon is a nothing, right? Like he's been in the league for 10 years. We already know what we're getting out of Sean Glennon. We talk about trying to find value. Well, where do we find value? We find value in the uncertainty. And so the idea that not a ton of people know of the works of Jake Luton provides a ton of uncertainty here, but we're getting seven points for a quarterback that might be better than Gardner Minshew, certainly feels better than Gardner Minshew with a broken hand, which by the way, the last time we saw the Jags, as bad as the defense is, and believe me, it's atrocious, they had a seven point lead against the Chargers. Now you might be saying the Chargers aren't very good and that's why they had a seven point lead. But again, I think that they are pretty good. And so for me, if we can just not fumble the football on kickoff returns, like I'm still cool with that being the case, like taking the Jags at plus seven, seven. because it's the same number as it was against the chargers a couple of weeks ago. Right. And so this, like who died and made the Texans seven point favorites against anybody. And we've seen the matchup already. And we know the Jags can run the football. We know they like running the football. And again, I think Jake Luton surprises people this week. I think he's going to be in a better position because they can run the football and set things up for him. There's still some decent weapons, right? LaVisca Chenault and uh, DJ Chark, still options for him. I like the Jags here, even as a potential upset win. Don't think it's that easy that you can take the Texans and Survivor, that you can take Texans in a tease down to like a minus one type thing. Don't do any of that. Take the Jags, maybe throw a little on the money line, and let's get weird. Sucker bet of the week. Woo! Okay, okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, Survivor pick, thoughts this week? Yeah, I, I mean, as much as we sort of think that the the number's too high, um, I think it has to be the Steelers, right? Like, it's too sort of good of an op- opportunity. We used the Chiefs last week, obviously a viable option against Carolina. We don't like to use teams going up against teams that we think can be pretty good, right? And so the Carolina Panthers sort of qualify as a team that we think can be pretty good, so I don't really want that. I also don't want to bet on teams in Survivor that I don't think are very good at all. And right now that's the New England Patriots, right? So the New England Patriots have been suspended from Survivor candidacy. (laughs) Uh, And then fortunately, you know, listen, three, four weeks ago, this Cowboys Steelers game is the Fox game of the week, right? Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, it's a whole scene. It still might be just based on the names of the teams, but it'd be a game that you'd be really excited about with Dak Prescott going against, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. So it's kind of this bonus opportunity to use the Steelers where there's not that many other opportunities over the course of the season to do so. Like they play Cincinnati next week, but we've already seen Cincinnati's pretty spicy. And so 
you know, again, I like the plus 14 with the Cowboys, but I don't expect them to win the game here. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. And that wraps up another week. I'm with you there on the Steelers for sure. So much fun as always, my dude. But again, we did it off the top, but we'll finish as well. Let the people know where they can find you to get the whole grain goodness that is the window podcast and even following you on Twitter as well. Cause you're handing out a lot of stuff there as well. Yeah. A ton of stuff uh, this week, a lot of uh, election wagering <laughs> stuff. Um, the Twitter stuff did better than the podcast stuff. You never really know, right? We talk yeah. podcast stuff. Um, had a mutual friend of ours, Ted Ballantyne, on hey. this week to talk election stuff. And we just broke okay. down a bunch of silly bets. Um, states, you know, who's going to win what state. And there's still a couple of them are still up for grabs at this point. Uh, it's funny because, you know, I'm cheering for Biden here and I'm cheering for Trump in this state. That's all kind of crazy. Um, but overall, still waiting to cash some of those bets. So that's been kind of the fun i suppose that we've had this week on the podcast but on twitter at m russ authentic right m for matt russ for russell authentic because we're trying to be real out there so um follow along sometimes the best stuff comes out an hour before the game an hour before the election and and you go you know what um, 270 to 299 feels like the right electoral vote number for Joe Biden. That's pay paying plus 600. Let's try that on for size. Like that's the type Ooh. of thing that maybe you don't have ready to go in the morning for the podcast, but you come up with that. Tons of live betting stuff as well. College football stuff. Thursday today is the big, you know, first look at the college football slate. If you're sort of just... Yep you know, parachuting into college football this season, this is the weekend to do it, right? And usually yeah. is, even in COVID times, then yeah, the first week of November is the time to hang out, right? Clemson, Notre Dame, really fun game this week with no Trevor Lawrence even, um, and a ton of other good matchups. So we're going to talk about that on the podcast for Thursday and in the, you know, tweet out all the plays on Saturday. So all in all, um, just trying to, you know, win some bets and, you know, create a community and kind of commiserate when those bets go badly, when the NFL robs us, uh, like on Sunday night, um, and then sort of celebrate when we can get a few of these things right here and there. Amazing, my dude, amazing. And I, I mentioned it off air. Yes, there is the window podcast for sure. It was on YouTube. Um, I mentioned it off air, and it was funny because uh, politics gambling is just hilarious. Yeah. And my experience, this was super funny. I don't know if you've seen the doc, uh, 537 votes. So nobody heard of it, but I want to check it out. Really good doc just came out ahead of the election. Obviously the whole thing right. was basically a preamble to get you prepared for what was about to happen in this, in this right. election, as opposed to the 2000 election in which kind of the same thing. It was super close, came down to selective States and having to go beyond the normal election day count. So anyways, after watching that doc, I was just rattled, right? Because, okay, this week's going to be total chaos. We go back to 2016, and that night I had so many bets on Hillary Clinton to win. Right. And then that night, as she's now, as Trump is, it flips and Trump is favored, I'm just spending the night doubling down on Hillary as the underdog, like doubling down over and over and over again. So now take that experience and fast forward to this year where again, all of a sudden Trump is like, it got to like minus 700 for Trump. 
And yeah. I'm sitting there looking at that number and I'm like, wait a second. What, wait, what, what's happening here? And could not pull the shoot on betting on Biden. I chickened out. I didn't do it. I was going to say, I was going to say, if you bet on Biden at that point, given your experience from 2016, you would be my hero. Because <laughs> of a certain age who have been doing this for a certain time have, you know, whether or not you actually bet, uh, yeah. you kept doubling down like you said, right? Like, I remember like having a bet, I think on Hillary, but I don't know that I was necessarily doubling down. It was really more you have to watch the live odds while you're yeah. watching the election because like That's what I was doing. Yeah. all of the coverage is, you know, it's very sort of minute. Whereas like the people who really study it and really know what's going on and are willing to put money behind it are often the smartest people in the room, right? Like the, and the more money that you put on it, the better, right? So yeah. if you go to, for instance, pinnacle.com, who's taking $30,000 bets on this stuff, <laughs> that's obviously some big money for people yeah. to be wagering on. Like they better know their stuff. And so when yeah. you watch that line shift up to Trump, as you said, like minus 600, minus 700, you go, oh, it's over. And you're watching the election and they're not saying that it's over. And you're like, they're the last to know. CNN, the last to know. MSNBC, the last to know. And I'm sitting there going like, I, you know, it's amazing that this has happened again. And then it turns. And it's like the exact opposite of last <laughs> time around where you go, oh my God, like it turns. And it makes sense because you're watching it and they're talking about where the ballots are coming. And this, yeah. we talked about it on my podcast on Wednesday because it's this, a lot of the stuff of the pandemic year, I've made the joke like, I'm gonna know for next time, like this is how a pandemic <laughs> this, that or whatever, right? Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, hopefully we don't have a next time and hopefully we have, sure. or, you know, maybe hopefully we do because that means this one's at least over. But I, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna know for next time that for instance, Texas counts the early ballots first and the late ballots later. So there's some fraudulent value in, yes. you know, you can get good price on the Republicans because all the Democratic votes essentially yeah, get yeah. counted early. And then now we all know that Pennsylvania and Michigan yeah. and Wisconsin do those last. And so there's going to be some fraudulent Republican um, votes, right? They, they call it the mirage, right? The, the red mirage, the blue mirage, right? So there's yeah. all these mirages. So for next time, oh. if there's like a hundred, if you hear, oh, 100 million early votes, da, da, yeah. da, 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 like on election night, at least from a state by state basis, we're going to be able to take advantage of those live lines going in a weird direction. Now, who knows four years from now who the candidates are and all that kind of stuff for the big picture, you yeah. know, general election type element but it is funny that like now we've we have this basis to handicap how the live betting will go in the future it just we need the circumstances of early voting yeah. and you know mass early voting to sort of skew it the way that it was and so i don't blame i was going to be wildly impressed and in a way, a little bit skeptical if you had said like, yeah, I just hammered Biden because it looked like last year or look, look, look last time where it was just like, oh, it's over, jam done. Like we can go to bed here. And then it started ticking back and you're like, OK. And then you, as you're watching it, you're realizing like they're talking about Philadelphia and like how little votes were had been counted from Philadelphia. And you're like, oh, this could. And I started tweeting. I was like, listen, if I thought I was going to get paid at any time soon, you're <laughs> going like if I win this bet. Trump's going to put this into, into court for months. And like, I'd like the money by the weekend, ideally. <laughs> and so like, yeah, I keep going in at plus 225 here. I go ham on 225. Yeah. But 
I just didn't, I wasn't, I was like, I don't really want to wait on it. And like, how much am I really going to put on it? Cause again, I'd already had Biden. Yeah, I already yeah, yeah. Had, like, I already have a lot out on the popular yeah. vote, which was like States the lock of all that. locks. Right. And so, yeah, I was just like, I can't do it. But like, if anybody's out there and they have no dollars on this right now, like 220 plus 225 is an incredible bet. Now but that's where hundred would be better, but how could that's you? That's where I was at. Like, no, but this is where I was at. I made no bets on the whole thing going into this election. Cause I was like, nope, I don't even want to mess around this time. I'm okay. like focused in on, yo, I, I, I just please just tell me that Trump's not going to win. Like that's basically just all my, like I was on a different vibe the whole way. The only reason I even went to the gambling lines is just because as you mentioned, that's where the truth is going to tell me, right? Like I've CNN on the background and all that. And I'm telling people, I'm like, no, no, no. The gamblers know what's really going on. So when the number's going up, I'm like losing it. I'm like, holy shit, Trump's going to win. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, this is insane. And people are like, no, 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 no. Like it's still early and this and that. I'm like, no, but Vegas is not giving away money. I don't understand what's happening right now. Like what? So it was absolutely insane. And you're right. There was no chance that I was going to bet on Biden. Like I went to bed. The last thing I saw election night, it was maybe like 4 a.m. or something like that. And they're doing the math and they're telling you, oh, well, this could happen and this could happen. And these numbers are coming in. And I'm still trying to do the math in my head. And I'm like, I don't know if that makes... I don't know if this is adding up as you guys are trying to tell me this is going to add yeah, up. Yeah, they did a and really bad job of sort of, like they tried to explain the math, but they did a bad job of it because they're like, and horrible job. Hillary had five whatever, like million votes on this. And you're like, yeah, but I need to know how many different, like exactly. what's the margin? And can we keep that pace up? And so, but I'm watching, because you know, not only am I watching the live lines from the general, I'm watching the live lines for the states. And I'm like, yes. Okay, so he, you know, right now Biden's minus 138 in Michigan, and he's minus 138 in Wisconsin, and he's minus 400 in Arizona. I'm like, that's a three-team parlay, right? (laughs) That like, okay, so I get why a three-team parlay would equal plus 225, right? Like that math makes sense. I got you. Yeah, yeah. You look at the individual, you go like, he's favored here, he's favored here, and he's a big favorite here. And this isn't a sports match where like <laughs> your dog can just win, like, you know, by getting a touchdown, like, you know, like there's no fumble that's going to change everything. Yeah, like it's yeah, going yeah. to take a million people to have voted a different <laughs> way than we thought it was going to beforehand. So it's obviously yeah. different from that standpoint. Like there isn't going to be a pick six at any point <laughs> to change the momentum of the game. And so I'm like, at this point, like if they're favored at midnight, we're probably in pretty good shape there. So like, why wouldn't I bet this sort of parlay, if you will? So it started to make some sense, but I was just so paralyzed by already having a fair amount of skin in the game that I just was like, what am I going to do? Add to this? Like I'll take the profit once it ends up getting paid out to me. God knows however long it's going to take. I was too rattled and emotionally scarred from the 2016 election. But isn't that the perfect thing for sports, right? Like, it's like you can't bet on your own team. You can't bet against (laughs) your own team. You can't get emotional about these teams one week to the next. Like, oh, the Ravens screwed me this week. Like, I'm done with them forever. Anthony Lynn sucks. He's the worst. It's like, no. Like, every week is a new week. In this case... it's every four years is a new every four, four years. years is a new four years. And the funny thing was I was telling a bunch of friends that were laughing at me. Cause I was like two things four years ago in this exact situation, I'd probably be 
having a few more drinks. And sure. that Shelly four years ago was a lot more loose on saying like, you know what? I'm going to let a couple racks, not racks, a couple bills slide here on like the Cowboys on a Monday night just because. Sure. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot more just like, oh, we'll let some things go free willy here than four right. years now in the present. So in that, when you add all those things up, I'm looking at the number before I go to bed and I'm like, okay, this still seems super weird. You know what? I'm going to bed. I'm not trusting this. I'm not trusting any of it. I'm just going to bed, staying away, staying away. It was a stay wrong away decision. Game. It, it was, was a stay wrong away decision. game. But hey, it yeah, I mean, it listen, like, yeah, though, I mean, you feel really strongly about it. You know, I, I completely understand that. And I'm not saying I don't. Because, um, you know, for the purposes of the podcast, it was a very apolitical conversation between Ted and yeah, I. Yeah, but yeah, just yeah. We're not talking about it right and yeah. so um yeah like yeah it's it's, it's a stay away because you don't want to sort of get all wrapped up into it the funny thing is like i didn't bet the general election part of it until the live betting hit and i thought like minus 125 with biden was a good number and even money <laughs> i was like yeah i'll go in again because yeah, like yeah, i don't yeah. buy this it was that crazy move right and so oh. my big bet was the popular vote I felt like that was, it was, you know, Mayweather McGregor all over again, yes. right? Like I remember you and I, you yeah. know, back in the day oh, talking yes. back, being like, how much money can we get in on this, right? Like that was the situation for the popular oh, vote. And I that was calling my bank to increase limits for Mayweather Yeah, obviously, yeah, but we were making phone calls to like, <laughs> let's move some shit around here. And so for me, that was the case. Like I literally maxed out one website on that yeah. and it wasn't, and because it wasn't a very high, you know, limit yeah, necessarily, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, I was like, oh, okay, like that's, I'm going to win that so I can use that money to sort of bleep around here with some of the other stuff. And so, again, I don't know when we get paid for it. Who knows, man, <laughs> hopefully sooner than later. Hopefully the sports books, for instance, like have a little more sense than, you know, having to wait for like things to be official official because like any sort of, you know, lawyering right here seems a little fraudulent. But, they should um, just get the Fox guy who announced Arizona way early. Just get that guy to get involved with the gambling and then everything's good, right? Well, was that the first reverse jinx in uh, political <laughs> Right, because like I, one of the things on the Twitter, at Amros Authentic, is like I consider myself the king of the reverse jinx. I don't play <laughs> it very often because I want to keep my percentage mega high. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's 100%, but I'm not hey, sure. Um, but I think my guy over at Fox was like, you know what, let's reverse jinx this thing into fruition by calling it for the Democrats, you know, thinking to himself, well, if I'm wrong, at least my team won, right? Which is the crux of the reverse jinx. So, so many sporting parallels to this, right? Whether it's boxing, whether it's the reverse jinx, whether it's don't follow your heart on betting, whether it's all of this stuff, right? Like we were talking about the spread, right? The spread was 309 and a half, right? Like, like Biden would cover 309 and a half was the spread for electoral votes. insane to and think I was, about I was literally like, I like him on the money line at five, <laughs> right but i don't think he covers the spread and so like it was literally like that's how we talked about it on the podcast yeah. amazing amazing and hey this pod was so much fun and it was fun to oh, kind of make light of this whole election thing because obviously it's crazy out there but uh appreciate you my dude as always come in and, and just 
giving me football, but also politics and bringing in some gambling odds and just a different perspective as well. And the highlight of my week so far, getting to crack some jokes and hopefully win some money this weekend as always. So I can thank you for coming through. Again, make sure that you follow M Russ Authentic on Twitter and The Window Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, this is, I'll name this football pod later. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube. Like and subscribe, as I always say, tell your friends. Because as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is, I'll name this football pod later, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. On Blast.